Hello, and welcome to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. I'm Erin Del Conte, Executive Editor of C-Store Decisions Magazine. Thank you for joining us. Please sit back and enjoy as we talk all things convenience retailing. Today I'm here with Seth Bridges. He's the founder and the head of product marketing for Rival IQ. So C-Store Decisions partnered with Rival IQ this year for our annual social media awards, and the winners are being announced in our January issue. So Seth, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here. Great. Thanks, Aaron. Happy to be here. So Seth, to kick us off, tell us a little bit about Rival IQ, the company, and what you do. Rival IQ, we're a social media analytics software company in Seattle, Washington, and we help our customers who are, who are brands or agencies measure their social media engagement and benchmark their performance against their competition and their broader industry. So we're very focused on helping these brands use analytics to make decisions, helping them do more of what really works and trying to really coach them away from doing things that don't work as well. And so much of what we do in helping our customers is also helping the broader industry through doing benchmark studies across all industries and then looking at particular industries. So yeah, we've been very excited to be able to partner with C-Store Decisions this year in terms of providing some of our ranking data from a, a, list, of, a list of players in your space. Great. And so that list of players I sent about 65 convenience store chains and Rival IQ looked at their Facebook pages, Twitter pages, and Instagram accounts to kind of determine who was standing out when it came to engagement. So Seth, talk me through the methodology that went into determining the awards this year. Yeah, so we, we took the list that, that you worked to build up. And what we did was we went back on each of these channels individually over the entirety of the last 12 months. So we wanted to look at a good length of data. So you got some pre, kind of pre-pandemic time in there. We've got a lot of pandemic time in there as well. And for each one of those channels, we wanted to see which brands bubble to the top in terms of engagement performance. And, and when we talk about that, there's two, there's two core ways in which we do that. First, we're looking at engagement totals, like the actual counts of how many likes and comments and shares and retweets and replies, like people who are the followers or, or really anybody on the platform that's actually engaging with the content. This is a place where just more is more, right? If you end up with a million likes and comments and shares on your, on your Facebook page, that's, that's a lot. Now, there's another piece of it though. We know that some of these, some of these chains, some of these stores have follower accounts in the hundreds of thousands or even millions in some cases. And many are, are smaller with maybe tens of, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. And so by just looking at the raw totals, it's not necessarily indicative of the resonance of that content with the particular fan base of any one uh, convenience store. And so we also look at a measure we call the average engagement rate. And that lets us take both how much a brand posts as well as the engagement and compare it to the following size of those handles so that we can get a score for the relative amount of average content resonance that uh, a brand gets on their posts. Each of these is interesting, each of these is important, and together we combine them into sort of a weighted score that lets us understand 
who's doing well at both generating overall results as well as generating good results given their size. We combine that up and we end up with a single score for each channel, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram in the case of this work, that lets us say who rose to the top. And it's never gonna be the person who necessarily has or the brand that has the most engagement. And it's never gonna be the brand that has the highest engagement rate. It's looking to do well on both of those things that brings us together. And once we get it done on a single channel, we then now take those single channel scores and combine them to come up with an overall ranking. So in the report that you'll see, we have both winners on individual channels and then brands that perform well across all three channels are the ones that really rise up to the top in the overall rankings. Excellent. So can you talk to me more about for the purposes of these awards, how are you defining engagement? You talked a bit about the you know, the number of people that are engaging and the average engagement rate, but what is that engagement? How are you defining that? Yeah, it varies a little bit channel by channel, but in general, we're talking about the publicly observable social engagement that you would see on a post. So on Facebook, that's going to be reactions, comments, shares. On Twitter, that's going to be likes, it's going to be retweets, and it's going to be replies. And on Instagram, we're talking about likes and comments. So a slightly different channel to channel, but all of them looking at some form of what we would call applause, like a like, like an attaboy. Engagement that's conversation, again, whether it's replies or comments, and then amplification in the form of retweets or shares. So those three things are what we're talking about. The other thing I'll note, because it, it sort of matters when we get into talking about who rises up and why later on, is that there is a mixture of organic and some boosted, uh, some boosted post data going on here too. And it, that also varies sort of channel by channel. So when we're talking about Instagram, it's all organic data. We're not looking at any uh, paid performance combined here, here at all. On Facebook, boosted posting is a, is a part of what is a part of what you need to do today on, on Facebook. I mean, organic is good and people should be invested there, but there is a bit of paid data sort of blended in here. And that is really a function of how Facebook reports the data out to, to third parties like us. And so that, that is something that we'll talk about later as well. And then on Twitter, it's also a blend where there could be some boosted, um, some paid kind of boost information there going on, though it is a much less common behavior there on Twitter. So um, not something that I think we're going to see a lot of as we talk today. That's a really interesting consideration, the, whether it's organic or boosted and how it's, as you pointed out, it's different across channels on Instagram, wanting that more organic content, where on Facebook, that boosted content can maybe be a big benefit for a chain on, on the right posts. Um, and, and to your point as well, you looked at three specific channels, the big three, again, that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, so let's let's jump into finding out who our winners were. Um, so if we can shift to talking about the overall winner, the big winner across all three of these channels was Quick Trip. To clarify, that's Quick Trip with a K in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, and so I have to say, I wasn't surprised to see this. Um, you know, I follow Quick Trip and I especially enjoy following their Twitter page. Um, and that's because, you know, they're not afraid to be funny. They're witty. They're, they're a little snarky sometimes. They go ahead and they tag and call out other businesses. And sometimes there's kind of a, a fun banter exchange that happens there. And it's, it's pretty entertaining, I would say, 
to watch uh, them interact with these customers and with other businesses for those of us who are just watching it and not interacting ourselves. Um, so, you know, I'm curious for our listeners who are convenience store chains that might want to improve their own social media engagement and watch their engagement volume grow and their rate grow. What lessons can we take away from what Quick Trip is doing well? Like, for example, would you say there were specific types of posts or promotions or ways of engaging their audience that you think was particularly successful for them and helping them to grow that engagement? Yeah, I think I think you said it in your windup. Is that the the snark is definitely uh, dialed up on their on their Twitter account, and they keep really fresh on memes and jokes, but they're also not scared to bring back some some older jokes uh, either. You know, I, in some of their top posts on Twitter from this last year, you know, you're going to see some like office references, which, you know, if you're like my household, you know, the office gets rewatched like every six months or something, but you know, maybe some people have never seen it, but there's clearly cultural touch points that uh, are both modern and slightly less modern that absolutely make their way into Quick Trips content. And they know their customers and their, their customers are passionate about Quick Trip and they play on that very heavily. There's definitely a lot of like either some combination of self, self-deprecating self love uh, about Quick Trip. They are playing on the fact that people in Wisconsin and beyond really, really do love their Quick Trip, which gets me to like the Wisconsin culture, which I have to say, I'm not from Wisconsin. I've been to Wisconsin, but it is deep and it runs deep and their interplay, as you said, between other brands, um, it, it is just that is playful. And there, a lot of them are other Wisconsin brands um, that they're in on the, they're in on the game and they absolutely, they absolutely play that up. They're so consistent too. Like the content that we see from, from quick drip on, on Twitter and beyond, it always has that vibe. And from that, you you know that there is a level of buy-in at the organizational level, whether that's uh, all the way to the top, uh, from the marketing and PR teams on down to the social media manager, there is clearly an agreement about and a strategy about what they're going for and a freedom for the social media team to be able to go and execute on that. You know, we, we did a study of some convenience store, like high performing convenience stores on social a few months ago and quick trip in that particular study also really rose to the top. And so we get, we got the chance to reach out to the team there. And um, we were able to ask them, like, tell me like, what makes you so successful? And what we heard back from them was their conversation with their customers and the listening that they do really enables them to know what excites them. Like they told me that there's actually a there's actually a Facebook fan group um, about, about Quick Trip and that they draw a lot of inspiration from that group. And they're trying to leverage the creativity and the passion of that group to really find resonance uh, with, with social media. And I think clearly, as you, as you can see, both in their numbers um, and in their content, they're, they're being successful with that. Great. I love what you said about how they really know their customers. I think that's a really important point for a lot of our, our convenience store listeners. They know their customers and they have that consistency, that buy-in from the top, as you said. And I liked what you said about, you know, their, their kind of self-deprecating love, their cultural references uh, kind of for the in-group in Wisconsin, as well as those references to the office, like you mentioned, that 
any of us watching who might not be in that in-group can, can also kind of see that resonate with. Yeah. And, you know, they're a good example of a brand who really understands the variance in their audience on a channel by channel basis or understands sort of what each platform for them is there for and what they're looking to do with it. And so we talked about their Twitter, which is absolutely, it's funny and it's really fresh and, and relevant and is again in with the, the memes and the jokes. But if you go over and look at their Instagram, some of their top performing posts for the year are just screenshots of Twitter being placed on a nice background in Instagram. And it's not every post, but there are definitely, you know, 20 or 30% of their top content absolutely is something that played well on Twitter and then they brought it over to Instagram. This is not unique really to them or even this industry. We see it from brands who tend to do well. Crossing that content over, if it's going to be relevant to the other audience, is something that, that really works. But they also did a, they had like a, a crew top sweatshirt that was a, like a limited edition that they did an influencer campaign around. And that content really did rise up on Instagram. Like many of their top posts this year featured folks wearing that see you next time sweatshirt. And a lot of them were travel advocates or other, other folks in Wisconsin or in the Midwest in general um, who were excited about Quick Trip. And clearly there's a whole campaign going on there as well. Less of that on Twitter, like in terms of rising up. And so you start to see, oh, channel to channel, same with Facebook, top Facebook content from them. Didn't really have a ton of that particular shirt, but it played really well on Instagram and they kept going back to it. I'm sure because it played so well. People want that shirt, as it turns out. <laughs> Very neat. Um, so you talk about, you know, the, the crossover rules a little bit between channels, how they took things that were popular on Twitter and repopulated them on Instagram, but then there were also some things that were a little bit unique or played more often on Instagram. So I'm hoping you can talk a bit more. You also looked individually at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all very different platforms. So how would you say the rules of what drives engagement really differs between each of these platforms? So at the end of the day, each one of these platforms wants the same thing. And that is for you to stay on the platform. They're all selling some flavor of advertising. And the longer you hang out, the more impressions they, they kind of can sell through. And that's like, that's on the table. That's what, this is the business model. This is what there is. And so if you think back a few years or maybe many years now, um, think back five years on Facebook, you know, you could still do well, potentially sharing, sharing some links out, trying to pull people off site. Um, and whether it was to monetize or to get them to your site for some other purpose. And as time has gone on, Facebook has devalued that, that kind of post, gives it less reach, gives it less visibility. Because at the end of the day, they don't, they don't want you to leave the platform. They want you to be able to stay on the platform. And they've made feature changes, things like instant articles, even from a publishing perspective that that are really working hard to not have you leave Facebook or a place where they can insert an ad. So you can choose to be mad about that, or you can choose to be frustrated about that, or you can choose to play that game and understand that success on social media can have a ton of positive outcomes for your brand without necessarily bringing them to your website or without monetizing them in that, in that moment. And so if there's content that you have to share that is entertaining, which as it turns out in many cases uh, for convenience stores, like we, we can entertain, we can inform, we can inspire. Like entertainment is, turns out to be a good, a good way to go for all these platforms. And so whether you're on Twitter 
whether you're on Instagram, whether you're on Facebook, content that, that either evokes an emotional reaction, like makes me think of home, or in the case of a, you know, a quick trip, people talk about having stopped there at some pivotal moment in life or on some particularly special road trip or event, like that creates an emotional connection. But I'll tell you, a lot of it's just entertainment. And if it's funny enough or it hits close enough to home, that's when you start to see really high sharing or people tagging in friends on Instagram, et cetera. And that gets to the, the answer, which is keep them on the platform. Don't try to create content whose purpose is to get me off the platform. Create content that creates enough of a reaction that people want to share their own take. Plenty of, plenty of uh, content we saw, for example, I, I'll use uh, Senex. They did very well on Facebook. So many posts where people are in the comments sharing personal, personal anecdotes, personal stories, takes on the question that was in the post. That drives engagement. That drives more impressions. They're not trying to get you off the page. They're just trying to create a connection and have you express and make that connection there on the platform. So really for all three of these, that is going to be what drives engagement more than anything else. Interesting. I think that is a, a really good takeaway to keep them on the platform, keep them on the page as opposed to sending them off to somewhere else like your, your website and try to encourage uh, entertaining content that might make them want to share their own take. So we're going to shift over. I know you had winners for each of these individual platforms. So I'm interested in knowing what these different brands did really well on, on those specific platforms. So if we can jump over to Facebook for a minute. So I know that the, the first place and second place winner here were really, really close. So Dailies was the, the winner on Facebook, but also Senex was a close second. So what are these two brands doing well on Facebook when it comes to growing their engagement that other retailers might be able to, uh, to take some tips away from? Yeah, so let's start with, let's start with dailies. They, they did come up top on, on Facebook and their particular strategy has them really focusing on the products that they have available to their, to their customers and clearly the, the products that they know their customers are looking forward to. So that is a thing that we see from brands, C-stores and, and beyond. When you have something new, something fresh or something that's come back, being able to make sure that your most loyal fans know that it's there is absolutely a great use of social media. And this is the place where dailies has done really well. So a lot of their top posts for the years are focusing on um, whether it was their new pumpkin milkshake in September or a new sub that they made available uh, back in June, they're focusing on the thing that, that you might be coming to dailies for anyway. I will say dailies also understands that on Facebook, particularly organic is great, but you can always accelerate your performance by doing a little bit of boosting. And now this is a place where I can, I can tell by looking at, at their data that dailies absolutely, whether it's a contest or a promotion, which is something they also do very well with, or some of their new product availability things, they're absolutely putting some dollars behind that content to get it out to the people that might not necessarily be seeing it because, you know, let's be honest, reach is a little bit diminished on, on Facebook these days. And you know that team at dailies understands what pieces of content will resonate if they get out there and also if they can accelerate 
with a few dollars, getting it, getting it out to some of their fans who are going to comment and who are going to share, that's going to give them more organic lift as well. And so I would say looking at dailies, promotions, contests, uh, product launches, and then that targeted use of boosted posts behind the content they know is going to work well has really been a key to why they were able to rise up both from uh, an engagement rate perspective and also just generating engagement results. Senex, as you mentioned, was also another C-store brand that, that did really well on Facebook. Their content looks a bit different. So they're much more on the joke side. They're like, let's tell some jokes about, uh, there's some farming jokes, there's some you know, maize, corn maize jokes. There's definitely a, you know, got a Midwestern vibe going on here as well. And these posts do incredibly well for them. And again, it's not just likes, this is comments, this is sharing. And like when people share your content, that is the best way for you to gain. This is how things actually go viral, right? This is the best way for you to gain additional reach and uh, additional visibility is when you share something that, that resonates so well that people want to put it on their own feed. So the, the top two posts for Senex this year were both kind of meme jokes about you know farming or again, like a corn maze. The other thing that Senex does really well is they ask questions. And this is a tactic that we've seen work well on social media for a long time. Not that many people do it. And so when they're talking about, let's say, here's a good post where they're talking about winter driving hacks, they ask, are you falling for any of these myths? And absolutely people jump in and share their learnings or share their, their comments about about the, the topic. And then you see a ton of additional conversation, people replying to each other. It's almost like a message board. They absolutely ask questions a lot. And I think it works for them. And I think a lot of other folks who are trying to create more of a conversation around their social media could learn from that, from that technique as well. That's really great. Ask questions, you know, it's kind of just asking people to engage is one way to, to get their engagement. And it's such a simple thing that every chain can, can do if they, if they want to give that a try. So if you're not already asking questions, that could be a, a good way. And also you mentioned the memes and things that are easily shareable that people are going to want to share with their audience as well. And then moving on to, we have Twitter and Instagram, and we had the, the same winner for both of those channels, Come and Go was our winner on both Twitter and on Instagram. So I'm curious about this, you know, what would you say that Come and Go is doing well? And is there something they're doing differently on say Twitter as opposed to Instagram uh, to best resonate with that specific audience or are they kind of cross posting? So Come and Go is really interesting. They absolutely are all in on social media. And I think that's, that's the thing you have to, I just have to say up front is that when you look at what they're doing on Twitter, which is living who they are in a way that is, it is, <laughs> it is full on. Like they clearly from the top down have bought in on who they are and who they want to be on social media. They are funny. They are crude. They leverage lots of sexual innuendo. They are owning their name. They are all about it. And that clearly goes all the way to the top. The amount of energy they invest into their Twitter, whether that is DMing with people, whether that is replying endlessly to people who engage with them, replying to other brands, you cannot do that without support and investment from your 
marketing communications leadership and from, in this case, you know, in a family owned business from the very top, everyone has to be in agreement because you can't move quickly enough to do this and stay relevant and stay fresh if there's not investment and trust with the team that goes all the way down. So if I go in and look at what Come and Go is doing on Twitter, they are absolutely so relevant in terms of the memes that they're doing. They are in a pretty funny way going out and screenshotting other, other tweets and other posts where people have made jokes of them or trying to make fun of them. And they are snark, 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 snark. And it is absolutely a joy to read. Like, you know, big applause, big kudos to the team that does social media in general, but also particularly whoever is, whoever's running the Twitter handle is doing, is doing a great job. I mean, the replies alone, they are so active in their replies. They are fast. They are quick. They are quippy. I know a lot of people would bring up like a Wendy's or something in terms of how they approach Twitter, like come and go. Absolutely. Has their own take on that. And they, they do a really, a really wonderful job. The thing you asked about Instagram is, and I said this with, with respect to quick trip as well, is they absolutely take their best content off of Twitter and they bring it over to Instagram as well. They, they see what gets respect. They see what gets amplification. They see what gets a lot of engagement and it absolutely becomes a, you know, a tweet screenshot or a DM screenshot over on Instagram and almost all, not entirely, but almost all of their best posts for this period that we're looking at the last 12 months or so fall into one of those two categories, either a screenshot of a DM they had with someone or a screenshot of a, of a tweet. In fact, I would say the DMs are almost neck and neck in terms of what they're doing. So they're doing things in private, right? Like someone will message them and they'll have that same joking attitude, sometimes that same supportive attitude, and they will bring it in the DMs. It then often later becomes content. Hopefully they're checking with people that they're cool, that they repost it. I don't know. I don't actually know the team at Come and Go, but can I tell you, Aaron, the other thing that really stands out to me in terms of what I see from from Come and Go, which is such a which is such a feel good, particularly in the in the way that this year has gone. Their most successful Instagram content, it is repurposing that, those Twitter posts or those Twitter DMs, but they're, they go viral and they're using their platform for what I would say is kind of broader social good. So take the protests around the murder of George Floyd in like late May, early June. Come and Go's tweet was like, we're ready to finally tell you the uncensored story of, of how we got our name. And there's a link and the link goes to the NAAC Legal Defense Fund. And so they're taking the attention that they garnered. They're also playing off an, a, a meme or their name and then linking off to someone else. And then later in the thread, they're like, wow, that blew up, you know, check out our SoundCloud, right? Like they're doing the things that you do on the platform. And then that link went to another social justice organization. Uh, some of their other top posts during the year, a lot of good posts in, during, in June around pride and whether that was taking on and amplifying the content of others around, I think there's one here about kind of banning conversion therapy. There's others about uh, LGBTQ rights, whatever it is, there is clearly um, an agreement about who they are as an organization, who they are as people, and whether that's to support their employees, their communities, their staff, they are all in on it. And these are the best posts of the year, right? These are the posts that end up with more engagement than anything else is screenshots of them doing a really good job on Twitter then reposted to Instagram where again, it does really, really well. So this is an organization that deserves kudos for kind of living their values, both I'm sure in person, but also all the way through to their digital presence as well. 
Excellent. And a lot of what you've said really resonates with me around come and go. You know, I also follow them. On, I'm on Twitter most of the time. I follow them on Twitter. And kind of like you said, the thing that really stands out to me about them is that authentic voice. You know, they have that clear, consistent voice. They know who they are. Their their content is, is relevant to the moment. They have an opinion on what's going on and they're going to use their platform for social justice. I love that they're not afraid to take a stand and then put themselves out there. And like you said, it's really clear that they have so much support from the top down to be able to to make that possible and to run with that. Yeah. And they also are in that vein of there's no reason that brand handles can't interact with other brand handles and they can be cheeky about it. They can be fun about it. And, I, you know, I found a, a post where Sheets uh, had had gone out and posted something about you know who who's a real who's a robot who's real and you know and you find come and go right in the replies right having a back <laughs> and forth between sheets and and come and go and um, you know being a guy who grew up on the east coast like I'm much more familiar with sheets uh, in my driving to college days but um, never never driven through the Midwest except for once so I don't have the the benefit of being there but it's awesome to see these two brands there you know digitally doing their thing also it's it's entertaining it brings joy. It feels good, and they're really committed to doing that. And I think, again, there, there's like a lot of kudos for the team at Come and Go, um, and Quick Trip, and a bunch of these other brand sheets and all these brands that are doing a good job. They understand how the platform works. They understand what people want to see, and they're they're committed to doing that. Great. So you've mentioned a lot of things that these chains are doing well, all of them really great takeaways across the different platforms for other convenience stores that are looking to step up their game on social media. So in closing, you know, what advice do you have for convenience store chains on how they might improve their engagement in 2021? So we've talked a lot about learning from those who do well. And I think that is absolutely a key, but you can always look inside to, to your own, your own data, your own performance. Every single person who's a social media manager, director of social at one of these brands has got either themselves or a team who's posting content all year long. You owe it to yourself to really study what's worked well, what are the patterns behind what's worked well, and also go look at what didn't work well. What are the commonalities, whether there is a strategic choice about a, a type of content, maybe there's a tactical choice, a graphic design choice that just doesn't work well. Every single brand that I've ever worked with has a whole bucket of patterns that are really somewhat easy to see the instant you go and look about things that you should focus on doing and things that you should really try to stop doing. And so don't, don't be afraid to go there and get in the data and learn from what you've done well, then look outside yourself, learn from others that are doing well. There are definitely patterns that you can find across all of these brands in terms of how they're performing. You know, the one pattern that I think it's hard for, you know, a lot of brands is like, if you move to the Midwest and be funny, like that's clearly a pattern that you see in a lot of, a lot of folks here. I think that's not probably a good strategy for a, a, a lot of stores who are, you know, focused in the Southeast or something like that. But seriously, committing to social media and making sure that you have buy-in and investment from the top down is important. I speak to so many social media managers who feel alone or feel like that it's one of their many jobs and they can't possibly invest the time or have the resource that it takes to do well on social media. And I think that's just it. You have to treat it like something that you mean to do well, which means give it investment, get the buy-in, build your strategies, 
execute, measure, see what's going to happen. And then last, it really gets back to what we talked about when you were asking me about the, the various platforms. And it is, you need to focus on succeeding within the framework of the platforms that you're trying to focus on. If you don't have a big team, maybe you can't be everywhere. That's okay. Figure out where you're going to be and, and really stay up to date with what does it mean to succeed on Instagram? And as new surface area rolls out, as we end up with reels or we end up with stories or we end up with IGTV, you know, there's expanding surface areas. These things are changing constantly. You owe it to yourself to figure out what you can bite off and focus on how you can do well there. And then use that success to further catapult you to more resource and more investment as you go. So that's, those are the things I'm thinking about for all the brands that I work with heading into 2021. Great. That's really great advice. Um, so for our listeners, the full social media awards are going to be accessible in our January issue, which can be found on cstoredecisions.com. Again, cstoredecisions.com. If you don't already receive a, a copy of that print issue, you can also sign up on the website to receive that in print form, or you can look at our digital issue online. And Seth, is there a website you'd like to uh, tell us about if uh, our listeners would like more information about Rival IQ? Yeah, to come see all the studies we've ever written about, convenience stores, beauty, alcohol brands, you name it, come over to rivaliq.com. There you can also grab a free trial of our software plug in your own handles and get a look at how you're performing as well. Completely free to give it a go. And I, I bet you learn a lot even with that. Great. Well, Seth, thanks again for being here with us today. Aaron, it was great. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. You've been listening to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. For more podcasts, visit cstoredecisions.com or follow me on Twitter at cstoreD underscore Aaron. That's cstoreD underscore E-R-I-N.